It's time for episode 321 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 20th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast, where we only half an hour to talk. I am your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my friend, my co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? Ah, you know I love a good pun to start the day. (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, we are, of course, here to talk about tech, and we're going to do it with the help of two fantastic guests. To my left this week, it is the co-host of Automators right here on Relay FM, a writer of the OmniFocus book, and our friend, it's Rosemary Orchard. Hi, Rose. How are you doing? I am very excited to be here. Excellent. We get to talk for 30 minutes. I know. Right? That, well, that's the whole thing. Yes. You, you, get, you go. We'll be back in 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and to my left is writer as well as host of uh, Material right here on Relay, uh, all about Android on a certain network, uh, I think it's called Twit, as well as a uh, new podcast, Honestly Tech. It's Florence Ion. Hi, thank you for including that in there, Mike. I really appreciate it, even though I've been on a bit of a hiatus, but hey. All right, well, we've only got half an hour, so I'm going to kick things off. I have a question for all of you because I've been trying to figure this out for myself. What apps or services do you use to keep track of just sort of like random snippets of information or notes you're making on projects? Do you have a system for doing this? Do you just kind of write post-it notes and stick them everywhere? I'm kind of curious to know if there are technological solutions for this. Rose, I suspect you might have some <laughs> thoughts on this. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm not going to bust out the evil laugh because otherwise we're running out of time. Um, but uh, I have lots of systems so at work we have a wiki and everything goes in the wiki and there are different pages for different things and that's that pretty much um but for personal it tends to either go in my task management system in drafts or in devon think um and task management is when it's related to a task drafts is when it's a this will probably be a task at some point but i don't know when and devon think is a when i get around to figuring this thing out then the information is in here somewhere excellent uh for me I'm a messy, messy guy, and so my stuff just goes into a text message that I have with myself. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, Wow. That's where, right now, I can go into the Messages app and click on my name and scroll back and see all the beautiful stuff that I don't want to forget. Different links, different bits of, of information that are available. There's one time where I was watching a video and I had to go do something else. And so I sent the video to myself and then texted the time code that I stopped at uh, so I could go right back to it. And yeah, that's where most of my stuff goes. Um, I suppose if someone wanted to hack me and learn about what I cared about uh, as of late, they just need to get hold of my iMessage transcript with myself, and they would find all the interesting things I'm concerned about at the moment. Uh, Flo, are you as messy as me, or do you have a different system? I'm sorry, Mike, I have a different system. (laughs) Uh, Don't be sorry. Uh, although I think that work, you know, whatever works for you, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to slight it. But uh, for me, I actually have, um, so I have the paper method. That's how I, t- I start. I start in a giant notebook where I have, 
Um, I just go through notebooks and I just put everything in there. Uh, Skyrim cheat codes, uh, to-dos that I have to do, people I have to contact, um, house tours I have to do. And then I kind of distill that I put that in my Google calendar and I make like little uh, reminders for myself like, oh, it's this time. So we should probably get started like doing this thing. This is how much time I allotted for it. Um, I also use Google Keep and a big, big user of Google Keep and uh, Notion, actually, uh, which is just a great uh, free service that you can basically use to wiki your life. And um, that's kind of what I use like if I have... Uh, if I'm posting like a a certain type of article at my blog, like I'll go to the Notion wiki that I have for that and I'll like pull out the code. Uh, you know, if I have like house chores projects that we're working on, like I go in there and see like what's, you know, what's the next room to work on, stuff like that. So that's what I use. Oh, that's good. I, I looked at Notion very briefly while I was exploring options and there were things I liked about it, but I think in the end I wanted like something that was a little more under my control. Um, and of it course, is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, de- the, the downside to that is what that has meant is me exploring all these different types of wiki software I can install on my server. And I ended mm. up, I, I think maybe I was just looking for a task to do that would keep me like entertained and procrastinate a bunch of other stuff I should be doing. So I've like installed like three different wiki servers. Uh, I ended up using a tool called Gollum, um, which I just got running, which I actually think is is kind of what I was looking for. It's just like a really lightweight wiki software. And I mainly want this to keep track of stuff from my books. Uh, right now, I keep a lot of stuff in notes just because it syncs so effortlessly between my iOS and Macs. And it's fine, but it doesn't particularly provide a great way to sort of link between different notes. And so when I was going over a manuscript and noticed that I had like spelled a thing multiple ways throughout multiple books, I was like, I have got to find a canonical place to keep this information so I don't keep making stupid mistakes. Um, I'm going to try this Gollum thing for a while. I, I like the idea. It's web-based. I can use it for a bunch of different places and on different devices. We'll see how that actually goes. Uh, and the only other thing I want to add is that I need to figure out how to spoof Micah's phone number so I can just start sending him to-do texts. <laughs> <laughs> Micah, read this tweet. I don't remember remember telling myself to do that. Uh, I'm a bad person. It's fine. Thank you all for your thoughts on that subject. Let us go to our second topic, which comes from Rose. Well, today, Apple announced that they are expanding in Austin. And I wanted to know uh, what you think about this. Uh, are, Are you excited about this? Does this mean good things to you? Does it mean nothing to you? Should they be expanding somewhere else, like, say, Europe? Or is everything wonderful? Uh, Micah? Hmm. Everything is decidedly not wonderful. Um, so there, of course, has been uh, many a conversation about uh, the housing crisis in uh, California and uh, lots of conversations surrounding what needs to be done there. And I, of course, am not any sort of specialist on on that. Uh, I, I can only uh, talk about what I what I see and what I think makes sense. And um, I think that it is good that Apple and other tech companies are looking at other places to exist and. You know, I, uh, being here for the short period of time that I've been here and seeing how truly terrible it can be to spend any time in 
one of the uh, more major cities trying to just like find a place to put my vehicle while I walk around for a little bit is just it's it's nightmarish and the cost of living in those places is nightmarish and so any chance to sort of get out of the places where for some reason we've decided we need everyone to be um seems to be a good thing but if all it's going to be is an opportunity to turn other another city into the exact same experience then eh, not so great flo what are your thoughts uh well we all saw what's been happening to seattle um and which is from from what i know i grant i don't live in seattle i live in the bay area uh and i'm one of those folks uh that mike was talking about i live in the very very outskirts because this is where i can afford to have a family uh within the scope of jobs that that we have um and my husband commutes to silicon valley about two and a half hours each way so that's like the kind of that's the kind of life you have in the bay area if you are not of um the tier of folks who uh you know are both kind of um uh yeah get anyway so (laughs) (laughs) sorry uh but as far as austin goes i've actually been hearing so i've been um sometimes i get these news alerts in like like my google news feed that i have on my pixel and I actually sent one to my co-host Jason Howell the other day, and uh, it was about his hometown and how annoyed they are with Californians from infiltrating the place. And so now whenever I hear about like what is going down in Austin with tech companies kind of looking to like headquarter over there, mm-hmm. uh, I think about how much that is that might upset them because uh, already from what I understand, Portland is annoyed with us because it got really expensive here. So everybody moved to Portland. Seattle is annoyed with us because it got really expensive here. And the only place that you could find like equivalent jobs would be in Seattle. And so I'm imagining the same thing will happen to Austin, Texas. Um, I'm wondering why not like Atlanta, Georgia, Hmm. maybe going a little further South um, to, you know, why, why the heck not? Why go to Austin? Um, I don't know. I'm not, I definitely agree with Micah. I'm on the same kind of thought process there in that, uh, this is, uh, it's just, it's, you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, you know, uh, yeah, I think I'm with you, uh, both of you, uh, in terms of there are ups and downs to this. I think it is good for Apple to diversify and to put offices in a bunch of different places. Traditionally, Apple has been very big on centralizing its operations in Cupertino. They have outgrown that, even with their shiny new headquarters. So rather than trying to shove more people into that same small square mileage, uh, maybe expand to other places in the U.S. or indeed around the world. I know there are a lot of complicated factors involved in that, um, and there is certainly the risk of making similar problems uh, that the Bay Area has elsewhere. Boston managed to skirt the issue. We we were on that list for Amazon headquarters, and we were mostly pretty glad that it didn't happen. Um, I think all of this plays into larger issues that go beyond just tech, too, in terms of things like improving tr- public transportation infrastructure uh, would be great too if these companies when they go in and you know are looking at uh, building giant headquarters places if they were working closer with things like you know municipal transportation to help ease the burden from these kinds of things 
I'm glad that that Apple is trying to do more manufacturing in the U.S. I think that's a a good move, especially because strategically they have a lot of their eggs in that basket called China right now. And that is going to be a serious problem for them. So trying to diversify that as well and make more stuff in the U.S. as well as elsewhere around the world is probably a smart move. Um, But, yeah, I think there's a lot of risk. I I also think uh, Micah alluded to this as well. Trying not to force people to go places to do jobs that they could do, say, at their homes, I think would be great. Apple is also traditionally kind of frowned upon having things like work from home um, or at least, you know, remote employees, I should say. I think that in a world where so much technology links us together and you can do a job from far away, that should be fine. You should make that more welcoming <laughs> because it will make life better for everybody. Amen. I definitely. When it, when they said that they're they're spending uh, something uh, like uh, it's a three million square foot campus, they haven't said how much they're spending on it. One billion dollars. That was it. Um, and I was just there going. Do, why do people not want to work at home? Because companies, for example, One Password, which recently got what was it, two hundred million dollars of uh, venture capital, mm-hmm. they they they're primarily remote. Um, and I just wonder, like, okay, so if you're manufacturing hardware, by all means, you probably need access to equipment um, <laughs> to do that. Um, I, I can imagine that manufacturing a Mac Pro in your living room probably wouldn't go so well. Um, and even, you know, like doing research and demos of, of hardware stuff. But for people doing software, do, do they need to be in the office all the time? I, I remember an episode of Cortex where um, I think uh, Graham Mike visited Dropbox and they said it was mostly empty. You know, are, are they spending all this money to have an empty campus? That nobody wants to be in it. It for me, it, I'm I'm dubious as to the amount of money being spent as to whether or not that's a good investment. Um, and I I wonder if maybe they would be better off buying existing office blocks in multiple places around the country for different teams and letting people work from any one of them that they wanted to. But then their office blocks won't be all shiny and spaceship like. That's the real issue. Yeah, stick an apple on it. It'll be fine. They've got loads of those stickers. <laughs> stick an apple. Yeah, that's I right. All right, that is two topics down and two topics go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our friends at Kensington, the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop. It's plug and play with no drivers, so you can enjoy up to dual 4K displays with HDMI and DisplayLink video connectors, plus USB 3, USB C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control means all their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, check Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. Visit kensington.com slash clockwise right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com slash clockwise to learn more. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, Micah, what's your topic this week? So Facebook is getting into the meme game with uh, an app called Whale. Um, it was just sort of shuffled out into Canada last week, and it's a little bit secretive. When I saw that, it made me think about sort of memes and where memes are right now. And TikTok is a huge uh, platform for video collaborative memeing. And it is a fascinating social network. And so I just wanted to know, what is the extent of your exposure to TikTok? 
Well, I am the reason that uh, they killed the OK Boomer meme uh, <laughs> because I immediately because I follow people like Taylor Lorenz who like cover this stuff as a beat, and I follow a couple of like TikTok. So I, I'm not actually on TikTok, <laughs> but I follow TikTok feeds on Instagram. So <laughs> basically, I follow folks who like curate all of the stuff that's worth me watching. And I tell you, I could go 10, 15, 20 minutes just giggling away at these things. Like if I'm having a bad day, I would just go see what Gen Z is dancing about. And immediately I'm... And that's the same thing happened with the OK Boomer meme is I was laughing so hard. I I think I played like 20 TikToks, but through Instagram in a row for my husband. I'm just sitting there giggling away like so hard (laughs) that my abs started hurting. So um, I love TikTok. I don't go on it because I'm afraid to install it and like waste more time on it. Um, (laughs) So I just kind of go for the curated feeds. And um, I am... I'm now, because I live deep in the burbs, uh, my husband's actually been grocery shopping a couple times and has seen like high school kids making TikToks in the grocery store aisles. Uh, So it's here, folks. Like it is, it is in the wild. And you know what? I'm here for it. And it was too bad Vine couldn't (laughs) couldn't do this for the youths. You took, you took my joke. I was going to say I liked it better when it was Vine. And then you could (laughs) say, and then you could say, okay, boomer to me. (laughs) Clearly that's, that's the setup. Let's just reset this. (laughs) Let's try it again, folks. Um, I, my exposure to TikTok is mainly, it's like, it's less directed than flows, which is, I see them when they get posted to Twitter, uh, which is about the only place that I do come across them. And I usually enjoy them. They're usually pretty fun. Like if they've made it to Twitter, they're usually pretty funny at that point. Uh, I don't think that I would probably install the app just because I think I would just, I wouldn't really spend that much time on it, but I would just be like, I would not understand how to use it. I had that problem with Snapchat. It was just like, I don't get it, man. But I think I could sum this all up by saying, I am old and I don't use this app. Okay, Gen Xer. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Shrug. Okay. I, I would like to start with, I'm so glad I'm not the only person who doesn't understand Snapchat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I've installed it like four times. I think I probably have four different accounts. I have no idea how that thing works. And I've never even got as far as installing TikTok because I didn't really understand what it was. So thank you for the explanation there. Um, and I think, Flo, I may have to steal some of those Instagram account names from you because uh, I, it sounds like it's entertaining. And if it makes you giggle until your apps hurt, then that's a workout. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm intrigued by... I, but from that part alone. Um, before that, pretty much my only exposure to TikTok has been I read this uh, horrifying article about somebody whose roommate was like a TikTok star and like the weird stuff was happening. And there's something about cucumbers in there. Uh, I'm going to just leave it at that because you need to read this whole thing to, to really get it. Um, but it seems to me like there's a lot going on behind the scenes at of like the tiktok stars um and i don't know who these people really are apparently they're like mini celebrities but not Mm -hmm. really um and it it just feels a little like that weird little fake world that is social networking to some (laughs) extent that's the impression i get um and i don't really get it but maybe i will after i've seen some of the videos yeah um so it's it's a very perplexing thing but i have to say that 
I too have just spent, you know, 15, 20 minutes going through and just laughing and laughing and laughing. There's some really funny stuff on there. Um, I actually do have the app downloaded. Uh, at one point, I was trying to reach out to someone who became famous on TikTok overnight to bring them on um, to interview them about that experience. And so I created an account to reach out. And since since then, so Flo, this is a warning. Yeah, don't don't get the app because you will get <laughs> trapped in it. Um, but it is it's just a delightful experience to go through and look at some of these funny videos that exist and uh, have a chuckle. So it's doing its job, I guess, if that's what its job is. I don't know. I don't know what its job is, but I'm happy to laugh about it. <sighs> Thank you for your answers on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Flo. Okay, Google Stadia. Uh, so now this is a very, very uh, gamer-centric topic, and maybe, you know, not everybody is completely privy to what this thing is, but Stadia is kind of Google's answer to uh, cloud gaming, okay? So it's $130. Uh, it's getting released this week, reviews are coming out. It was supposed to simplify the way people consume games. And I don't mean like mobile games. I'm talking AAA games like Destiny 2 and Red Dead Redemption 2, things that you would need an Xbox or a PlayStation or like a well-equipped PC to play. So Stadia doesn't require new hardware. You can basically play your games anywhere on a TV, existing computer or smartphone uh, through the browser. But its launch has been really tepid. So some pre-orders haven't been fulfilled. The launch library keeps getting edited. And from what some of the reviews are saying, the experience is not quite the apples to apples uh, experience of gaming on like a PC. Uh, there's also the little thing of data caps, which is like in America, we like don't have data unless you pay for it. So uh, the idea of streaming, you know, high resolution 4K games for long periods of time just seems like something that will, you know, uh, kill your cap. Um, so my question is this. Is there a future for this kind of tech going forward after services like OnLive, maybe remember, mm -hmm. and PlayStation Now tried, uh, and then they died? And since uh, I'm here with uh, Apple users, I'm very curious to hear if you'd be invested if, say, this were a service available like with the Apple TV. Uh, Microsoft is also trying this to a certain extent with its xCloud mm -hmm. program. Enough of these things are happening that it's clear to me that this is a direction that things are going. In the same way that we moved from DVDs uh, being shipped out via Netflix to streaming online, I think that games will definitely be a thing that get increasingly consumed in this fashion. But I'm not sure that we're there quite yet. I think everybody's pushing the envelope and maybe they're a little bit ahead of where we actually need to be. Personally, as someone who has, you know, had been an Xbox user for many years, uh, Stadia doesn't really do much for me. A lot of the same titles I can get on my Xbox. I've already got the hardware, etc. And I gotta be honest, barely have time to play any Xbox games. <laughs> so getting onto another gaming service seems like a bad idea for me. Um, and then on the on the mobile side, if this were available for uh, Apple platforms, I think. Even with the distinction of AAA games versus mobile games, they would have a, a tough road to hoe versus Apple Arcade, which has been really popular uh, and and really shows sort of the power of having a group of developers who are willing to build games exclusively for your platform, or at least in that form. We'll give it a couple of years, I think, and, and see how they're doing then. But uh, at the moment, it's not something that particularly I find attractive. 
My first thought was, if this is going to be available on mobile, you have to have caching. Because when I play games on mobile, the vast majority of the time, that's when I'm on something like a plane or a train where I either have poor or zero network connection. And I, scrolling through the developer documentation, don't see a lot about caching. Um, and I definitely don't see anything where you can be like, hey, download this game for me to play offline, please. But at the same time, some of these AAA games are pretty big. So downloading that to, say, a iPhone that's only got 32 gigabytes of storage is probably not a great idea. Um, so on the one hand, it sounds great because you have all these games and you don't have to buy them in advance and get everything prepared and it's hardware that you already own. On the other hand, I got my very first console, like proper console, last year for Christmas, a Nintendo Switch. Mm -hmm. And I'm really enjoying it. And I like the fact that I can pick it up and play it and take it elsewhere. So it has the advantage of this, of that it's mobile and television. I get that maybe the hardware isn't as great as something like an Xbox, but for me, it is a great console. And I I just wonder, you know, who who is the, the target market behind this? I'm presuming this is for people that don't already have a console. But for most people who want a console, they want a console because of specific, probably, you know, unique to that platform games like Zelda or something. And the other thing is, it's a Google product. And we all know that they like to kill those. So, <laughs> yeah, buy the hardware and then it doesn't work in six months. That, that, that wouldn't be a great look. I love the idea of being able to go from, even though I'm not a gamer, um, I love the idea for people who are where they could be playing a game on their phone uh, while they are, you know, on the, the ferry ride home. They get to their house that, you know, they're walking to their house, they get to their house and then they stop the game on their phone and they go and sit, sit down on the couch and they start playing it on the television, the set top box that they have right there. And it picks up right where it left off. I think that's brilliant. I think that's a great experience. I think that um, we shouldn't be tied to specific screens and specific consoles for the the media that we want to entertain ourselves. So whether it's Google doing this with Stadia, Stadia, Stadium, Studio, or it's uh, Microsoft doing this with xCloud or whomever... I don't care who the platform maker is. I love the idea of this this type of system because it's a world that I want to live in where I'm not tethered to any specific device, be it for gaming or for computing. Put it all in the cloud and make it work well and let me use whatever device I want to to uh, interface with those systems. Flo, any last thoughts? Uh, I'm just going to say there's nothing that will take me away from my Switch and my PC. So. <laughs> there you go. All right. That is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. And this week's bonus topic and show is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serves their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe. And they're about to add more. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will both have data centers before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel e five processors meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before and so you don't have to stress about overspending Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backups and node balancers Linode has pricing options suit everyone their plans start at a gigabyte of ram for just five dollars a month and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of ram 
And Linode has a special offer for you as a listener of this show. You can go to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have absolutely nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash clockwise, promo code clockwise2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, bonus topic. What's an animal that you would like to see in real life? Rose? I'm presuming this is an animal that we haven't already seen in real life, which rules out my favorite red panda. So I am going to go with a cheetah, specifically a running cheetah, because mm. they look gorgeous. There's a site, uh, it's a global wildlife con- conservation site uh, that has the search for the lost species. These are sp- uh, 25 most wanted lost species that we haven't, uh, that we're trying to find. And one of those species is the bullneck seahorse, last seen in 96. So it's been lost for 22 two years and it would be very cool to see this lost species i want to see a great white but not coming at me to eat me (laughs) (laughs) rose actually mentioned mine which was the red panda which i want to every time i used to go to the washington national zoo i would look and they would always be hiding because it was generally cold so i'm bummed haven't seen them yet stop hiding Ah. from me all right we are done with this show all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guests this week Rosemary Orchard, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And Florence Ion, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everyone. And we will be back next week. But until then, we remind all of you out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.